Good morning, YouTube family. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be. Welcome to Happy Crappy Hour, our live stream from Escape from Crazy Town every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, USA. Well, welcome, you guys. We have a very good topic today, um, which I think a lot of people have uh, gone through and are still going through, many of us. So I wanted to tackle this topic and help some of you who are stuck here in the pain of the discard. And the discard may have recently happened and it may have happened a year ago. And yet the pain feels just as fresh. So it's really important that we talk about this because we don't want that pain to continue and take over our life. So I want to help you guys do that. Move on and get rid of that pain. But before we do that, let's talk about what your happies and crappies are. Because as you know, we are here to grow together and to learn together. So how do we do that? We learn from our mistakes. So whatever crappies happened this week, let's find out what we learned from it and be able to not repeat it. And whatever happies happened this week, we want to learn from those as well because we want to continue to repeat those. So I'll go ahead and start. My crappy this week was that a friend of mine uh, texted, uh, texted me and said that her husband had a heart attack. Well, actually, she didn't realize it was a heart attack at the, t at the time. It was chest pains. So, um, you know, immediately after that, we discovered that it was a heart attack. He got taken to the hospital and had a couple of stints put in but then had a second heart attack in the middle of the night. So the crappy, you know, is that we don't know when someone might be taken, what emergency might happen, and we have to react quickly. I've had friends who've had that same situation and they did not react quickly. Um, luckily, they still survived, but you know, by the miracle of God, by the grace of God, they survived. But a lot of times people, when they start having chest pains, they just think, oh, it'll go away. I'll be fine. But I think that people who, you know, you know, there's something just quite, not quite the same as a heartburn, right? I mean, there's, there's something beyond that. And so you got to listen to your intuition. You got to get to the, to the hospital. So, um, the crappy was that, you know, he ended up in the hospital and he's still there. Um, we're still praying for him and we're hoping for a full recovery, but he has other complications. So we got to keep praying for that. You know, the crappy is we don't decide how long we stay on this earth. You know, um, we can try our best and, and be wise and prepare, but sometimes things will hit us out of the blue and we just don't know when. So how we react to that will determine a lot of things. We'll determine how we recover. We'll, re we'll determine whether we uh, survive. And it'll determine um, what life's going to look like moving forward, right? So prepare yourself. How do you prepare yourself? And I think today kind of will lead into that. Because pains of relationship, pains of things that we are going through, setting ourselves up for failure is not a good idea. So we want to set ourselves up for success as much as possible. And we're going to get into that. My happy for this week is that I got to see her. We, we couldn't go in to see him because they only allow a limited number of people, uh, visitors, a day per patient. So I think it was two, two a day. So it's not two at a time, just two a day. And so uh, his best friend came to see him and his wife and, and nobody else, but Anyway, the happy is that we did get to see her and we got to help their family. And, you know, in times of emergency like this, I got to tell you, I have some disappointments and some um, joy, I guess, out of it. And the disappointment is I think a lot of people just think, well, I don't know them that well, or I don't really know them, or um, I I." There, there are probably other people who will step up and help, you know, people tend to go into that mode. And I ran into several people who, who went into that mode, 
you know, asking, well, aren't they plugged into other groups? You know, who are their friend groups or church groups? And, you know, do they, where, you know, we don't even live near them. And I'm not saying like states and states away. I'm talking about like, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes away. That's still not far, you guys. In many parts of this country, people will commute an hour and a half to work every day. Okay. So, and I was one of those people. Um, in other parts of the country, they will commute up to two and a half hours a day. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, or each way, not even a day. So to say, oh, it's just too far. They're 30 minutes away. You know, people need to break out of their, and I'll, I'll say it, selfishness, right? Some of it is selfishness, but some of it is also just um, laziness. I don't know. But I feel compelled to go and do when you know you can help go and help the world would be so much better if we would do that and I, I just put myself in this woman's shoes and I thought you know we're not the best of friends we've been reunited she had been away uh, out of the country for several years so we lost contact um, we've only ever run into each other a couple of times uh, but each time we really enjoyed each other's company you know but something compelled me that, you know, she, if this were my family, if this was happening to me, would I be encouraged if people just kept holding back because they thought, well, they don't want to bother me because they don't know me very well? Or would I be encouraged if people said, what can I do? What can I do? And even with that, I did ask her, what can I do? And of course, people in situations like that tend to not ask right? Not ask for help because they don't want to impose. They don't want to seem like they're, they're needy and they don't want to, they don't want to put other people off, right? We have a hard time asking for help generally, right? I think most people have a hard time. And even when I asked her if I can go and get her groceries, she asked for like two things, like spinach and milk. And that was it. That was it. I thought, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to just go get her spinach and milk. And I know their situation they have a rather large family and kids who probably don't really cook for themselves. And so, you know, um, a friend of mine and I, we went out and we just picked up a ton of laundry, in that laundry, <laughs> a ton of, ton of groceries for them and brought it to her at the hospital. Um, and she was so, so grateful. None of this stuff was stuff she asked for. It was just stuff I thought would be healthy, stuff I thought would be tasty a couple of treats, you know, that weren't particularly healthy, like a big old apple pie, but, you know, brought them some fresh made food, made, bought them some frozen foods that they can just warm up, not have to cook and put together, got them some foods that are easy to put together, like for sandwiches, you know, but good high quality stuff. So they, you know, whatever you can afford, even if you can't afford to do that, even if you just bring them, you know, some eggs and milk or bread, if you just, you know, $10 worth of groceries, you know, I bought her a pack of toilet paper. Even if that's all you bring is a pack of toilet paper. People will appreciate that you thought of them and that you, you, you know, you're making their life so much easier while they're going through this trauma. And you can do this within your immediate circle. You know, help those around you. There's always a need. So, that, you know, Jesus has said the poor will always be among us when um, Sadducees or whatever they were, Pharisees were, were questioning him and saying, you know, well, why don't you take, you know, why doesn't this woman who's, who's trying to, who's, uh, it was about this woman who was pouring oil on Jesus's feet. Um, not just oil, I think it's like really expensive perfume. And she was doing this out of her reverence and love for Jesus. And the Pharisees were saying, well, look at this woman. She's she's ruining and throwing away all this expensive perfume. You know, the money that bought that perfume could have could have fed the the poor. And Jesus was saying, you know, the poor will always be among us, but there are those right in front of you, right in front of you that need help right now or need encouragement right now. Take care of them, right? Where yeah, the money that I spent on this one family probably could have helped another family, you know, five or six other families that aren't um, in in a, in a medical emergency, but they would probably benefit from it, right? 
but there's this woman right now, right in front of me that needed this help. And so I helped her do that. Okay, you guys do that. And this world will take care of its own. It would if we all did something like that. And then the favor would, would be returned as well onto us. So you guys, I know I kind of went on there, but that was my um, happy from this crappy that happened. You learn from what life throws at you. And whenever something happens that's unexpected, how you respond will shape the rest of your life, will shape your future. So always choose good. Always choose to do the best thing. Always choose. Oh, hold on, you guys. I got to put on my do not disturb. Here we go. Otherwise, we're going to get a lot of interruptions. Okay. I am here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. RVZ77 says, I work at a hospital and sometimes patients receive zero visitors. So two visitors a day is not that bad. Oh, I'm not talking about receiving vis visitors. They're not allowed to have more than two visitors. That's what I'm saying. Or are you saying that your hospital is restricting down to zero visitors? So they're not even allowed to have visitors. And that, you know, I can go on about that. You guys, this is it's very sad what's happening in our country right now and around the world. I don't know that it's as, you know, what's weird is that it's mostly Western worlds, Western countries that are, um, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. You guys will have to do your own research because we're not allowed to even talk about that stuff, but do your own research. I know people want to believe that there's not that much evil in the world or that people can't be this, this evil but they can and what surprises me is that people who come on to channels about narcissistic abuse and then they can't believe that world leaders could be this bad that world leaders would actually harm people illegally of course right and and purposefully and they think well no there are checks and balances in place and i'm like well take a look at some of the other countries where there are no checks and balances and especially countries where people have come from third world countries, there are no checks and balances. Corruption runs and rules the country. When um, aid funds, you know, are brought into those uh, third corrupt third world countries, uh, maybe, maybe one-tenth of that aid actually goes to the people that need it. The other 90% goes into pockets of, of officials and government people, um, leaders, um, their dictators, their president, whatever it is who's supposed to be representing the people. That's why those people live in giant mansions while their people are suffering. This happens all over the place. But anyway, I kind of got off there, you guys. Let's get into what, when will the pain end after the narcissist discard, right? We are, um, when, you, when you've been discarded, the pain is tremendous. I mean, there's incredible, you go through this like five stages of loss, right? Um, and you, you kind of have to go through those and keep your eyes aware, keep yourself aware that this is a process. This is not something like, oh, I can just switch it off and, and I'm fine. And some people have tried that, right? Only to find themselves having to go back and, and re, review and recover from what they glossed over, what they did not, did not attend to. So today we're going to do that. We're going to talk about when you get discarded. The first thing that happens is, you know, disbelief, right? You just feel like your arm just got cut off and, and you're in this whirlwind of disbelief and, and confusion because you don't know which way to turn. You're like, my whole world has stopped. Another thing that happens is you you are, um, it, it's a, there's a lot of confusion because you start to feel like, I can't call this person anymore. We, our plans for this weekend coming up, it's no longer happening, right? Uh, our future plans, they're gone. Um, not, and okay, so you first start looking at that, like your daily life now has completely halted, halted. I mean, there are other things going on that you have to do, like if you have to go to work or you have to take care of a child or you have to take care of a pet 
for a home, you know, you still have to do things. You have to take care of yourself. You still have to eat, clean, whatever, survive. So those things don't halt. But the pleasant side of your your life, you know, the side where you had companionship, where you had plans, where you had um, you had a future that you were working towards, right? Maybe even a home that you were renovating together or um, a vacation you were putting together, right? Uh, you were planning out. Those suddenly halt. You're like, wait a minute. So what do we do with these airline tickets? What do we do with this house we just bought together? What do we do? So all this confusion starts rolling in and you have to work through that. You do have to figure out like, okay, what do I do with this? I'm not talking about that pain. I'm talking about the pain that continues on when life goes back to normal. I don't even want to call it normal. People like to say new normal. I hate saying the new normal. I like to just say, you know, you're moving forward and, and it's uncharted, uncharted territory. So you want to lay the foundation of what this is going to look like. But a lot of times we enter that uncharted territory, this new life, thinking that we just want things to go back to normal. And we try really hard to make things look normal, try to do the same things we used to do. Excuse me, you guys kind of get some water. And... um. So you're moving forward and you're not quite moving forward because you're trying to go back. You're trying to go back to putting your life back together the way it was. But then there's a missing part. And the missing part is the narcissist, right? The ex that has discarded you and possibly you might have discarded. So you go back and you think you're going to get everything back to normal the way things used to be. But you can't because the narcissist is no longer there. The ex is no longer there. And I think a lot of times that's why people fill that position with another person. They run out right away and they try to find another person to fill that position, that empty void. And that turns out to be a disaster because you're now trying to mold somebody into a position in your life when they're in an entire life and an, an entire person on their own who have things and wants and needs and desires of their own. And they may not want to just fulfill a, a position or a character in your life that the narcissist needs to be. So then you start to miss the good things about the narcissist. You start to think, um, you start to fantasize almost that your relationship with the narcissist was better than it really was. And then you really start to go down this rabbit hole of pain and loss and you get stuck there. You get stuck at the loss stage of grieving where you realize there's no more you know you don't have that future anymore and you don't have that person anymore and you are just stuck there I think a lot of people do that and they just don't know how to move past that onto the next stage and we're going to talk about that in just a second I wanted to say hi to those hopping on John good to see you and Frost is best in the world glad that you're here early and RVZ77, I said hello earlier. Thank you for your comment there. And BB Scott says, I keep saying this, but I guess I am here to spread the good news. <laughs> we live in a world run by psychopaths. <laughs> I agree. I absolutely agree, <laughs> BB Scott. Um, I do want to do a video of that. And I welcome you guys talking about that as much as you want and asking questions. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I know. Some of us agree, you know, we agree and we disagree. There, there are many different perspectives here. But the bottom line is I think that when they're trying to get us or pit us against each other to hate one another, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Because when they try to pit us against each other, they win, right? We're, we take our eyes off of them. We take our, we don't even question them. When we're not allowed to question leaders, um, you guys know that's a problem. When, when we're censored, even if you, you support or you, um, you love the, these particular leaders, okay? When a group is un, not allowed, I'm talking about not that they 
you don't like when they criticize or you don't like what that's fine for you not to like what what other people are saying about this leader or politician or whoever um, that you just love the problem is when they're not allowed like that that right there is a line that we need to look at why are certain companies not allowing even discussion right there are topics that they won't allow you and they'll say it's their um it's their company standard or i forget what they call it you know you guys probably know better but you know you've broken our community rules <laughs> like what community rules because there seems to be a lot of nastiness and filth and foulness on the other side or you know on some sites and that's okay but then the the criticism even if it's clean no curse words and just pointing out facts and charts and science by the way real science um that's not allowed so you got a question and i hope people do and i think more and more people are definitely questioning this and more people are awake than are asleep anyway i don't know if you guys know this but the ccp it's come out has paid trolls paid so um anyway and probably not just the CCP. I'm sure there are paid trolls here, too, by the way. Actually, I know that there are at certain um, social big tech companies. Uh, so, yeah, they actually have paid trolls. People to go in and bash the narrative from those they don't like. Anyway, kind of got off there. But it is psychopathic that people will do this and support this and companies will do this these are giant corporations right by the way these are giant corporations they may not have started off as that may they may have started off as just one person who dropped out of college but it has grown these things have grown into the most powerful corporations controlling a lot of things in the world and if people are unaware of that then sadly they are very much asleep you know, they need to wake up to the fact that there is a ton of money behind this stuff. And where there's a ton of money behind stuff like that, there's going to be corruption. Anyway, so let's get back to when you are stuck in this loss stage. You know, you feel like you've lost a part of your life and you're trying to fill that part over and over again. You may even go out and find somebody that that takes that role for a while and for a while you think oh things are going well but then they won't because you're trying to make somebody fulfill a role in your life and that's not what relationships are about they're about give and take they're about uh, loving each other they're about you giving to the other person as much as they're giving to you it cannot be you just giving to them what you feel like giving and then expecting them to give you all this other stuff right to fulfill your life so you want to give to them what they need or that what they're asking for. And sometimes what they're asking for is going to be inconvenient to you, right? Just the same as when you're needing something from them, um, a certain way of being loved or attended or um, noticed. And it's, it's not, it's sacrificial for them too. So relationships are not that where you can just get people to play a role in your life. And when you try to get people to do that in your life to fulfill this role that the narcissist left, it's not going to work out. So you're going to find yourself back at this loss stage again. So how do you move forward from that? You need to look forward. You need, this is the most crucial time to learn about mind over matter. Mind over matter. Some people get stuck here because they tell themselves over and over and over again they replay this video in their head of the the life they expected to have by now right and they replay the regrets over and over and over again of why they are not where they were thinking they should be and while they're replaying that what are they doing they're training their mind to live in this cycle of regret of loss, of missing out, of even resentment, right? And they keep putting into that void, that that empty space that was left, that if that void were filled, 
then they they would be out of this hole. They they would be able to move on. And they give this condition where they think if they could fulfill that that hole, then then this video that they play over and over again in their head will stop. But that you guys, who's in charge of the play button in that video? Who's in charge of replaying the regret of their relationship in the, with their narcissist or how it ended or regretting losing the narcissist or missing the narcissist or, or pining for the narcissist? Who's in charge of that play button? It's you, right? It's you. We are in charge of our own play button. Whatever video we want to play in our head over and over again, it is entirely up to us. Now, some people give up that responsibility and say they were triggered, right? Oh, I was triggered, and therefore this video just automatically starts playing. But here's the deal. You are still actually in charge of that trigger. You are in charge of how you respond to that trigger and how you what, what you practice over and over again in your response to that trigger or whatever trigger it might be. Let's say um, every time you go to a park where you guys used to go to, or to a restaurant where you guys, you know, first met. Every time you go there, um, you get triggered, right? Now, it is your responsibility, your ability to decide whether or not you go to that restaurant or whether or not you go to that park. If it's too sensitive or you're too sensitive to that reminder, then don't allow that reminder to enter your life over and over again. Now, there are going to be other, time, other times when people will say, hey, let's meet at this restaurant, not knowing that that's the restaurant that triggers you. you your response to that over and over again, whatever you practice, will determine how you get over this. Your response could be, um, actually, that, kind of, that restaurant has some bad... Um, you know, you don't want to pan the restaurant because maybe the restaurant's a good place to eat, right? But you want to say, you know what, I had some bad memories there with somebody, I'd rather not. You know, that's it. Just say that and then move on. But if you linger there and you're like, okay, sure, let's go. And then you go there, you know, or even if a group of people are like, well, we already made plans and we're going to meet there, you can decide not to go. Or here's the other deal. You, if you go, you can go prepared and and I don't want to say weaponized, but armored, really. You, you're ready for the trigger. You're going to go to this restaurant ready for the trigger. So before you get there, prepare yourself, right? Prepare yourself by getting rid of um, any, any ideas of missing or pining for the narcissist. Be real with yourself about what a turkey this person was to you, how they discarded you, how how they treated you so that when you see this restaurant, you're not going to feel like, oh, I miss them so much. You're going to feel like, I'm just going to enjoy the food. I'm here to enjoy the food, regardless of the person that, you know, that I met here, regardless of the fact that this is our special place or whatever, right? It was, but here's the deal. It wasn't your special fit place. It was the narcissist's special place or that the narcissist created as a fantasy for the two of you to live in but it was not real so whatever fantasy attachment you have to this place you need to break it off you need to say it does not have that power it does not have that strength over me it does not have that meaning to me anymore it is just a restaurant and then and then maybe look into the menus decide what you want ahead of time so you don't get distracted and looking around and you know be purposeful when you go and enjoy the people. Be more present. Here's another thing, you guys. In order to get past the pain of missing the narcissist, you have to practice being present with the people who are in your life. Because a lot of times, and I've been around people like this, while they're pining for an ex or pining for somebody who never calls them, when you go out with them, it is a pain. It really is. It is not fun to hang out with them because their mind is not there. They're on their phone. They're checking to see if the narcissist has texted them, called them, left them a message, you know, looked at their Instagram. They're trying to see if they got a response from the narcissist in some way. And they are not there paying attention to you, right? 
paying attention to your conversation or paying attention to what's going on in, in front of the both of you, the, the party or the, the, the food or whatever you guys are doing. It is not fun to hang out with people who are pining for somebody else continually. So you have to practice being present. You have to practice listening to other people. You have to practice engaging in life with other people, making plans with other people. And then while you're making plans, when you make those plans and you go, you have to prepare your mind that I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to smell, pay attention to what I smell. I'm going to pay attention to what I touch. I'm going to pay attention to what I see. And then really look at those things. Pull yourself into that moment. And the more you practice doing that, the more you will will eliminate that pining, that, that desire, that, you know, missing the narcissist for all the wrong reasons, by the way. So that's another thing that you can do when you start to feel this pain, right? You're like, oh, I feel pain. Get involved with whatever you're currently doing. If you're in the middle of um, your home, right, and you start pining for, for the ex- Start looking for things that you need to be doing while you're at home. I mean, and if you, you're feeling too tired or too weak or too weak-willed, turn on comedy. Turn on comedy. I've said this many times before. Turn on something hilarious. It will take your mind off of the sadness and off of the narcissist, which brings nothing but disaster into your life. So instead of having your mind lingering, on the narcissist, your mind will be drawn to the comedy. And I know even when watching that, you, you can fight it. You can fight the comedy and, and insist on focusing on the narcissist. Um, but that's not going to help you. And guess who's in charge of that? Guess who's in charge of making that decision? You are. Nobody else in your home is telling you you have to pay attention and, and think about the narcissist. Oh my gosh, I heard a really <laughs> funny... Um, well, a saying, I guess, it's like letting the narcissist living live rent free in your head. You're allowing the narcissist to live rent free, rent free, you guys, in your head. So don't do that. You know, maybe you can do you can use that term. That's a really great term, by the way. You want to have something to to respond to triggers. Okay, whenever you're triggered to remember and miss and pine for the narcissist or whatever, um, fantasize about how wonderful and, and, and amazing it was with them, you need one word or a few a phrase that will snap you back to reality. And that phrase could be rent-free, you know, to remind you you're allowing the narcissist to live rent-free in your head. And that will pull you back to, whoa, I do not want to allow the narcissist to live rent-free. And maybe it will help you to bring yourself back to the present, what is occurring right in front of you. <laughs> yes, I love that. Frost's Best in World says she has a, a favorite or a movie, a comedy going on while she sleeps. I've done that too, you guys. I've fallen asleep to dry bar comedy on a loop because I want to, um, your brain still absorbs information even when you're sleeping. So you don't want to fall asleep on a negative note. You want to fall asleep kind of like to, to laughter in the background, to, to comedy happening. I've done that when I was going through my healing process, you know, the beginning of the healing process. And I cannot tell you how many times it pulled me into a wonderful sleep. Because as you know, and I know, a lot of times we stay up late. Nighttime is the worst, right? Nighttime is when all the insecurities come back. All the fantasies start to take, your will is so weak at nighttime. So we tend to go towards the negative, we tend to go towards what's not good for us. So that's a really good time to turn on that comedy. Oh, I like that too. I may take a look at that. Uh, 432 megahertz music is also very good. And learn to laugh at them just because, says 
That's a good point too. And oh my gosh, I have done that as well. Thank you for bringing that up. That is a very good point. Uh, you know, in laughing at comedy, you also have to laugh at your own life. You have to not take yourself so seriously. And it'll be, I know that um, just because meant to laugh at the narcissist, not yourself. But when you're able to laugh at your own situation, you're able to then realize that the tragic parts are not as bad as you thought, right? It gets to the point where you just have to laugh at it or you're going to cry. So better to laugh at it and then regain your strength and move on. You guys, there's a scripture that's sort of like my life scripture, and it is the joy of the Lord will give you strength. Joy, the joy of the Lord will give you strength. And it does. Laughter gives you strength, gives you power, gives you control over that um, immediate, that present moment. The joy of the Lord will give you strength. When you start to laugh, all the darkness starts to roll away. It does. It just does. So find a way for yourself, for you to laugh. Laughing at them, I've done that as well. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Guys, I've done this video where I think it was, I'm not going to say the, the name of the actor, but um, he is in the video and I had little clips of something, a character that he plays in the video and essentially he's giving advice to a guy who, uh, whose girlfriend broke up with him. It's, and it's just a movie or TV show. It's not a real life situation, but the advice is spot on. The advice is spot on. The, the guy who lost his girlfriend or a girlfriend broke up with him was told by the character, the head character that, you know, that per if that person left, it was meant to be because if they loved you, they would have stayed. And if you try to get them back, even though they don't love you, you're going to make life more miserable for yourself. This is something that was not meant to be. Maybe they were only meant to be a part of your life for a while to teach you a lesson. And once that is done, then you need to move on. Otherwise, if you try to keep somebody who doesn't love you, in your life you're going to hurt yourself more now the advice also went on I'm trying to remember it was so good oh yeah uh i'm trying to remember but yeah i'll try to put that video in the in the description here at the end so you guys can take a look at it but the advice was so good to help this young man realized that this person was not meant to be in his life. And then there comes a time, okay, I remember now, there comes a time when you will look back at this person and think, what, what in the world did I see in this person? They're just hideous. They're terrible. And then you realize that you were under some kind of crazy spell that kept you with this person. Oh my gosh, I've done that as well, where I look back and I'm, gonna, I'm thinking, holy cow, why did I think this person was such a great person? Why did I think this person was so awesome or even attractive, right? It's like, wow, they're not attractive, not even physically attractive. And yet, for some reason, you were googly-eyed, gaga over them. It's because they know how to take control of a room. They know how to be... Um, how to make their presence known, which a lot of narcissists, they walk in a room and they expect all eyes to be on them. They are magnificent, if you will, right? They, they come in and they play this role of an exciting person with an exciting life or exciting background. They take command of the room. Their, their positivity, their... Um, I don't want to say, is it, is their ego, but is there, it's that they, they, their confidence takes over the room and people are drawn to confidence, not arrogance, arrogant confidence, but just someone who's sure of themselves and is easy, you know, going or, or appears to be easygoing, right? And is very flowing in their conversation and they're confident in it. They, they can enjoy, um, people's other people in their presence they they don't they don't have a problem interacting with people 
I had watched this video. It was a, it was, it went viral. It was years and years ago when um, very few videos were going viral. And this guy who is actually rather attractive, I guess, young and attractive, he wanted to see if it's your appearance that attracts people or is it your, your character, your attitude. And this guy is a pretty, um, pretty confident person. But here's the deal. So he dressed up in a fat suit, okay? Um, you know, kind of pudgy, not huge, but just kind of pudgy and out of shape. And um, they put it on, he, he put it on and the makeup artist did a really good job and made him look like he was kind of an out of shape guy. So he goes around and he looks, you know, he targets these uh, attractive women. He goes up to them and he just starts talking with them. And he talks to them the way he normally would as a fit, attractive young man. But he's in the suit, right? And what she sees is an, an out of shape dude who's not particularly attractive because they put, um, you know, they made his neck kind of blend in with his chin so he didn't have that chiseled look and all that. So, um, so he goes, I think that's what they did, but I just remember he didn't look great. Well, all the women gave their number to him because he engaged with them. He was present with them. He was confident in talking with them. Not arrogant, but confident in like, why would he be shy? You know, why should he be shy to talk to these people? They're just people. So he just struck up conversations with random strangers. Well, not so random because he particularly targeted um, women who are, you know, let's say out of his class, right? So he wanted to see if it was his body, you know, his appearance, or was it his character, his attitude, his confidence? And we can carry this confidence too. When we walk into a room and we're shy to talk to people and we're thinking, oh, nobody here wants to talk to me and who am I, you know, they're not going to notice me. That's not going to get you very far. But the reason we're attracted to narcissists is because when they walk into a room, they're like, here I am, everybody, let's get the party going, you know, or, you know, they have no problem talking to just about anybody in the room. Nobody scares them, right? Nobody uh, makes them feel insecure. Or at least that what it that's what it looks like, right? They the narcissist will do this, and so you're drawn to this, only to find later on, like when you end up with this person who was only playing a role, they're only playing a character, and that character seemed very confident, very uh, optimistic, very um, adventurous, very, whatever it is that attracted you. Later on, you find out, no, they're this really boring, horrible, self-centered person. And you look at them, and you're like, how in the world did I fall for this person? Well, this is not the person that was presented to you. This was not the character that was presented to you. The character that was presented to you was attractive. What you find out as reality is not attractive. So when you're here, and you're missing the narcissist, and you're feeling this loss and you're stuck in this pain, you have to remember what the narcissist really was. Not the times that they played the role, not the times that they, um, you know, I guess they, some people might call it um, bipolar, right? Like they seem to swing in one direction and you have the best time with them. And then they swing to the other direction and you're like, I'm in hell, what is this? You know, it's just horrible. Well, you have to realize that if they did not love you enough to get help for that, if they did not love you enough to fix that, if they did not love you enough to try, right, to even try to not put you through their low swing, then this is not the person for you. This is the reality of your relationship with them. You have to face the reality. You have to face the truth about the pain you went through with the narcissist. So when, you, when you're in this pain, when you feel like you cannot get past this pain, you have to be realistic with yourself. That, that low swing part, that's the real them. That's the real them. The high swing is what they wish they were, what they wanted to be. But they're not. It's a fantasy. 
Well, you guys, let me take a look at some of the comments here. <laughs> Obi, I've seen you say that before, and it's still funny. Just laugh at your problems. Everyone else does. It's true. And this is why, you know, comedians have stepped back a lot or have been, uh, this is, how do I say this? Comedians used to be able to say anything, anything, you guys. But now they censor themselves because they don't want to get canceled. And they censor themselves because, well, social media will censor them or ban them. So that's another thing, which is so unfortunate. But oftentimes comedians are laughing at their own life. Look at it. Look at it. They laugh at their own life. And we can identify because our life or a lot of the things they laugh about are the same things that happened in our life. And we're like, oh my gosh, it feels so good to laugh at that rather than to to coil up in pain in a corner, <laughs> right? Crying. Yep. Cross is best in the world. So dang, I wish I would have heard that in high school. Oh, I wonder which thing. But just because says figuring out the fakers among us takes a lifetime of learning about your own life. Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, you know what? I think that if you're genuine with yourself, you're able to find the fakers real easy, real easily. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't people who are going to put on a mask from time to time because not everybody wears all of their emotions on their sleeves at all times, which is a terrible thing to do, by the way. You don't want to do that. And neither do you want others to do that. But... You can tell when someone is hiding something. You can tell when someone is put... Now, just because they're hiding something because they don't want to talk about their pain, that's forgivable, right? That's okay. But when people are hiding to the point where you're like, I cannot even get to know this person. I don't mean... We never have a real conversation. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem in your life with them. Yeah. E. Scott says, yes, they present the grand illusion in the beginning. And this is a part of the trauma bond. You are always looking for that person once it disappears. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. You continue to look for this grand illusion that was presented to you, that you fell in love with, that you thought was going to change your life and improve your life. And for maybe a few times or moments or months, I don't even know how long, it might have felt that way. But if you're real with your, yourself, you'll remember the times you were bent over in agony because they let you down once again. They chose another person right over, right in front of you, right? They treated you like dog meat or dog food. I don't know what you call it, but, you know, they treated you just so badly in front of other people. There will be times that you can look back and see how they actually treated you badly. You need to, and I've given this advice over and over again, you need to write those times down. If you want to escape and end this pain that's been lingering in your life for, if it's over a year, it's been long enough, you guys, long enough. You need to look at how they actually were so selfish in your relationship. They were not generous. You know, there were times they did some things for you, but mostly if you look back, you'll see it was crumbs was crumbs or maybe you'll see like they did one grand gesture or a couple of grand gestures but they benefited from those gestures too it wasn't for just you it was for them but you were along for the ride so you got to benefit from those gestures you need to be real with yourself about the times they times they actually treated you badly in front of other people and maybe even behind closed doors right especially you need to write those down and every time you start to uh, miss the narcissist every time you start to pine for them or think positively of your time your disastrous horrible abusive time with them every time you you try to gloss over that you need to look at this list it will wake you up now if this list you can now here's the deal just like i said earlier you can watch a comedian or have a comedian playing or a video playing right in front of you and in your head you're still romanticizing the the narcissist of course you're not going to 
laugh. Of course, you're not going to be pulled back and pulled into reality because you flipped this switch. You flipped the switch to decide, I'm going to think about the narcissist. I'm going to fantasize about the narcissist. I'm going to review the video in my head of us doing romantic things and fun things and, and all the good times. So I'm going to review only those. And then I'm going to alter those videos to point the finger at everybody else. You know, it was there, it was his mother, it was her, her brother, it was, um, you know, their best friend, you know, that caused the rift between us. It was another woman that walked into the scene. It was another guy that walked into the scene. You're going to edit the video however you want. But the problem here is if you do not face reality, you will keep yourself in this world of pain. You will keep yourself imprisoned in this, this pain. So it is up to you. It is entirely up to you what your response is going to be. Will it be to look at the list and read that list and imagine and review and, and remember exactly how you felt on every line of that list, everything that you wrote, each thing item that you, don't just read it through just to read it through like you're reciting the ABCs. Stop at each line and think about what happened in that situation. Think about how hurtful it was, how much pain it brought you, how angry it made you, uh, what the big fight that came after that. You know, think about what those things caused in your life. This is how you pull yourself out of romanticizing about the narcissist. So every time you start to romanticize and think about the few good times you did have with them, um, you need to do that. You get to decide though. That's the thing. Nobody else can make you do this. Nobody else can turn the switch for you. Nobody else can force you. Because let's say you have um, a best friend that you're living with. Even your best friend, if they put on comedians every time they see you get upset, so they turn on the TV and they turn on a comedian or they put a comedian on your phone and they're like, watch this, watch this. Are you going to watch it? Do you have to watch it? No, you don't. So it doesn't matter if somebody else is right next to you, pointing you, showing you, putting things right in front of your face to get you away or out of your negative or your destructive thinking, self-destructive thinking. It's still up to you to decide what you're going to focus on. So you guys, that is the clue. That is the key. Mind over matter. You need to start learning how to take control of your own mind. And if you need to watch some, uh, some videos, some, there are a lot of psychologists that are out there that will help you achieve this, that have little, uh, tools that you can use to, to snap yourself into the present. I mean, it's going to require, now, once you get really good at this, you can just do it in your head, but it, at first it's going to require physical activity. It's going to require you to stand up. It's going to require you to walk out of the room. It's going to require you to do a few jumping jacks or push-ups. right? You have to do something physical in the present to pull you out of your mind. So I would start with that every time you, oh my gosh, you guys, let me, let's, let's do this. Let's make this uh, an activity that will actually improve your life. Every time you start pining or, or um, wishing that you uh, were back with the narcissist, first of all, look at the list, but here's the deal. It'll get to the point where you don't have to look at the list anymore. It'll be automatic in your head. This is why habit is so important. Uh, the more you repeat a good habit, the more you repeat a life-saving habit, the more you're all, you'll, you will automatically be able to pull it up. Um, the other thing is, do something physical that's good for you. So when you think something, um, when you start pining for the narcissist, start doing lunges until your legs hurt, okay? Um, when you start fantasizing about the narcissist, start doing push-ups until your arms are about to fall off, Right? or pull-ups until your arms are about to fall off. Uh, by the way, you're going to get into the best shape of your life. It's going to be great. And then here's the deal. You get energy. You're actually building energy and good endorphins in your body when you 
do these types of things, when you do something active like that, you're going to strengthen your body, but you're also going to be strengthening your mind, your psyche, because good endorphins do that for your body so and for your mind. So this is how you turn a negative into a positive. You'll start to see that the pain starts to ease. The pain of missing them will start to ease. You'll start feeling better about yourself. So the more you you practice these good habits, you guys, the the faster you are going to be able to end the pain. The pain does not have to last for years. I've seen people who have, not just seen, I know people who've had held on to the pain for a decade, a decade, you guys, because they relive the, the times with the narcissist over and over and over in their head. And they missed out on a decade of their life. So I want you to know you don't have to do that. You get to choose. You are in power over your mind. You get to decide what video plays over and over again in your head. And until you learn how to play that um, video that's just in your head, you have to play a physical video on your phone or on your TV that is positive, that's good for brain training, that's good for uh, teaching you how to have um, control over your mind, and also comedy. These are things that are going to help strengthen you. And not just comedy. Oh my gosh, you can, you can put on videos that are educational. You know, my goodness, put on uh, home improvement videos. <laughs> put on, you know, videos on learning a new language. You're going to be so incredible going through this time of, of healing from the pain. That healing from the pain doesn't mean you just go back to normal doesn't mean you just go back to um, a new normal even, right? It's actually about moving forward, growing, getting bigger, getting better, getting stronger. You're not even going to recognize yourself, which is such a huge thing in your life. So you guys, from the beginning, I was saying what choices you make right now and every day, what choices you make is going to determine what your future looks like. What choices you make right now, as small as it is. Oh, my husband uses this example and I love it. He says, you know, if you, okay, he's a math person. <laughs> so I hope you guys can follow this. He goes, take a look at angles, right? Like if you make a sharp angle, like a 90 degree angle, it's like you go, you're going sideways and then suddenly you go straight up. And it seems like, wow, that's a huge change, right? Um, a 180 is the opposite direction, right? So a 180 is you turn completely to the other direction. A 180 degree is not an angle, but you turn the opposite direction. That's a huge change. But he says, what if you make a 1% or 2, not percent, yeah, yeah, 1% or 2% or degree angle, right? You take a look at that. And it's almost flatlined. Like at the beginning, it looks like it's almost even touching the line. And you're thinking, well, that's hardly any change at all. That's that's nothing. So making this list will seem like, well, that's nothing, right? Uh, doing a few lunges will seem like, well, that's nothing. Or um, changing or adding one thing to your diet that's healthy, like more vegetables. I started eating like a carrot a day. And um, I missed a couple of days a few days ago. And so I go on, you know. But if I don't eat a carrot a day, I'll eat an apple. I'll eat something, one particular fibrous, yummy fruit or vegetable that I like, but each day. You do that, something small like that and you think, what's that going to do for me? How's that going to change anything? But here's the deal. Follow the angle. Follow the line up top. And the farther away you get from the starting point, the bigger the, the distance is between that line and the line below it. Okay, take a look at the angle. He says, even if you make small changes now, you hold on and you keep making that, keep doing that small change over a long period of time, you are going to be so much farther up. So I just wanted to tell you that. Uh, make those changes today. Make sure that you know and convince yourself every day 
that you are in charge, okay? When something happens in your life and you start to go down this rabbit hole of negativity and sadness and pain, say, no, I am in control. I get to decide. And here's the other thing. Choose, like I said, for yourself, choose a couple of words or one word that will snap you out. You need a, an anti-trigger word, okay, if you will. Uh, and I think rent-free is a really good one. So if you want to use that word, you know, go ahead, write it on your hand, rent-free. And it's like, or, or here, write on your hand, not rent-free, okay, to remind you. If you need to write it on your hand, not rent-free. So every time you think about the narcissist, look at that on your hand and go, there you go. Heck with that. This narcissist is not living rent-free in my mind anymore today. And you move on. It's You need to start implementing something positive. So you guys, oh, I'm glad you like that. B.B. Scott says, beautiful analogy and metaphor of the angle. It is like the tiny snowball that starts rolling down from the top of the mountain. Yes, yes. So don't get discouraged just because you can only take small steps right now. Don't get discouraged with that. Take that small step. You're in control of that small step. You get to decide whether you do that, take that step or not. Nobody else tells you whether you can or cannot. You decide. You get to replay the video in your head. You know what? Replace the painful video or even the the beautiful, fantastic, you know, fantasy video that you play with you and the narcissist. Instead of playing that over and over again, play a different video. You get to decide though, like, is it going to be a video of where you want to be in five years, how successful you want to be, or um, that, that you want to be finished with a renovation that you're making, you know, play that video uh, in your head over and over again. Even if it's a small video, that will make a mental change for you, a psychological change. A video such as, oh, a funny, sweet, cute video of puppies. You know, play that over and over again in your head. I get so much joy out of my puppies that when I think about them, I just automatically start to feel better. Play a video like that in your head. Even if it's a 10 second video, play that over in your head. Be able to command that to come to the front of your mind when you start to feel negative, when you start to feel down. And the bizarre thing, you guys, is that your body chemistry changes. It does. When you start thinking of positive things, when you start thinking of things that you love, things that bring you joy, your body produces, excretes, uh, creates hormones, good hormones inside of you, which come from your mind. And it starts to change your whole body chemistry, but also your thinking. So work on that, you guys. Do one small thing, and that's all it takes. So we're at the end of our hour here, and I'll give you time to make any last comments if you want. I'm going to read a couple of these. Yes. B.B. Scott says, stay in the now. Take all thoughts and emotions to truth. Correct lies with truth and release detachment. Yes. Yes. Healing is 100% you and 100% God. And yes, that is 200%. You have to process, take to truth and release. I like that. Yeah. My experience, pain doesn't release on its own. I mean, people say time heals all pain or something like that, but um, actually it doesn't. Like if you, it, it matters what you do in that time. That's what heals the pain. Um, or if you get dementia, right? <laughs> you forget. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't even remember. Um, that's not the kind of healing that we're hoping for, right? That, to come from dementia or um, what's the other thing? Alzheimer's that you forget. No, you want to actually live a healthy, full, active, joyful life. And the way to do that is to make the decision what are you going to do with this time, right? Even if it's a small thing. Do those small things. They add up to really big things over time. That's what happens over time, is if you continue to do a small thing over time, it does heal your pain. So you guys, that is it for today. I hope that that has helped some of you to, or all of you really, to, to be able to let go. 
to be able to take control of your life and have hope. Have hope, you guys. There are so many good things ahead for us. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom out there right now, but guess what? Even within that doom and gloom, there are pockets and moments and maybe even a lifetime of good. Don't get stuck in the doom and gloom thinking. Do for yourself what you can. Help those who are right there in front of you, right around you. We started the video with my happies and crappies, and I talked about that, helping a, a friend who was right there in front of me, and I had the opportunity to do it, so I did it. I kicked myself out of the, hey, somebody else will do it thinking, or hey, she knows other people who can do that, that for her. No, I'm going to do it. And guess what? To my knowledge, nobody else did it. Nobody else did it. So at least not in the first day, right? The first day, a lot of people hang back and they wait to see what, who's going to organize something, who's going to do something. No, go, go and do. Just ask, what can I do for you? And then make suggestions. Uh, would it help you if I filled up your car with gas? Would it help you if I watched your kids this afternoon? Like today, right now, would it help you if I picked up your kids from school? Would it help you if I brought you a dinner? You know, even if I'm a bad cook, what, would it help you if I bought you something from a restaurant? You know, I could be the, the whatever, Uber Eats or whatever they're called. You know, I'll do that. So make suggestions. Help the person right in front of you. And say hi to your neighbors. Get to know them. All right, you guys. Have a great week. And I will see you next week.